What's up, kin folk? It's RJ Young. I am the host of the number one ranked show. You're watching it right now. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the most underrated true freshman in all of college football and debut a new segment with some snazzy animation. We're going to continue and put our final entry together for Arch Manning and his, well, three visits throughout the month of June that are officials. And the last one being Texas, I'm going to tell you why or why not he should go to Texas or not go to Texas. And then we're going to finish out our new faces in new places where we take a look at year one coaches at their new stops and what I expect from them by the end of the year. Okay, so let's start with our new segment, which we're very excited about. It's got some snazzy Diamond in the rough. Look at that. That's beautiful. I love that so much. Today, we're going to talk about Aaron Graves, who has, well, the honor of being the first ever Diamond in the Rough right here on the number one ranked show. Now, I'm going to set this up because it's talking Iowa football. And I almost never have an opportunity to talk Iowa football in the offseason because Iowa football does not do much in the offseason. As a matter of fact, they didn't really do anything in the transfer portal at all in the offseason. They have made a living out of identifying players in high school, redshirting them, growing them up to be big, fast, strong Hawkeyes, and then trying to overachieve in the Big Ten West. And that's exactly what they did in 2021, going 10-4, and four, getting into the Big Ten championship game, eventually losing to Michigan, who played in the college football playoff, and then got housed by Georgia. But for Aaron Graves, this is remarkable. Now, many of you might have seen last week I tweeted about Aaron Graves because he had won Max Preps National Male Athlete of the Year, which is no small feat. The other people that have won Max Preps National Male Athlete of the Year include Kyler Murray, Derrick Henry, and Patrick Mahomes, along with guys like Ohio State Terrell Pryor. And this goes back to 2008. As you can see, good God, this 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 is a child. I mean, this is this is a new man. But look at look at this. Like <laughs> this guy's made in a lab. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Kurt Ferentz went and grew this dude into a lab because he is the perfect Iowa football player for Coach Ferentz. So let me reel this off, right? He's a defensive lineman, plays edge, I think, but we'll see this absolute unit. Goodness me. He doesn't have a Twitter account, not much of a social media presence at all, which, you know, every college football coach would love, but Kurt Ferentz, I got to believe, loves a little bit more than most. He had a 4.0 GPA in high school. He already has his associate's degree, right, that he got from Iowa Central. He is six foot five. He was 270, and he is physically comparable to J.J. Watt and athletically comparable to Aaron Donald. Now, the Aaron Donald comp, I understand, but you can see the J.J. Watt from him doing those stiff leg deadlifts. That, that's ridiculous. He is the first Max Preps National Male Athlete of the Year from Iowa, right? And this dude lettered in four sports. Now, check this out. 63 tackles, 14 for loss, seven and a half sacks at the nose, at nose tackle in high school. Also played guard for Southeast Valley. He finished 28 and three and placed fourth in the heavyweight wrestler division as a senior in Iowa, which is no mean feat, right? Because look, or no small feat, it is a mean feat. Iowa produces wrestlers, kind of like Oklahoma produces wrestlers. Shout out to the Memorial Chargers, for which I was captain of the wrestling team. 
We didn't do that much in-state, but it was fun. Meanwhile, we got places like Coweta. We got places like Catoosa. And then everybody wants to end up in Stillwater to be coached by John Smith. That's what you had at Iowa, right? You have it right now. Iowa and Iowa State wrestling is ridiculous. It's why they have a great high school wrestling culture. And this dude has basically got 28-3 and record off of athleticism because he does not have time to devote to exclusively wrestling. I would love to see what that man is capable of as a heavyweight in college. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Iowa wrestling. Anyway, the Hawkeyes are deep at defensive line, so, I mean, they got eight players that they're probably going to rotate in, but it'd be really difficult to keep this dude off the field because he's just an athlete. Look, 22 points, 8.2 rebounds per game. In track, he threw the shot 53, 9 and 3 quarters inches, which is ridiculous. All right, other part about this that I really love is that Aaron Graves perhaps could come out and be the best defensive end to be produced out of Iowa. And this is a place that has produced some outstanding defensive ends, right? A.J. Epineza comes to mind. Van um, Valkenburg comes to mind. Like, he also will have an opportunity to go against what I think is going to be one of the better offensive lines in football because that's just what Iowa does. Now, I'm mentioning Aaron Graves here because I am that excited to see this dude play football, but also because Iowa's defense could again be one of the best in the country. I was just taking a look at this. They got two dudes that had 100 tackles last year returning at linebacker, right? One of them in particular had 140 tackles in a season of football. Other had 105. We were talking about Riley Moss having four interceptions. We are talking about an Iowa defense that had 25 interceptions in one year of football. I, like you, would really like to see Spencer Petras come on and be the kind of quarterback that we've pretty much never seen at Iowa, where you throw the ball around, you have a good time. Peak Iowa is basically the best Wisconsin team ever, right? Now, in the Big Ten West, you have some teams that I expect to be there, Minnesota being one of them. Nebraska, I want Nebraska to be good, just like most, most people in Nebraska want Nebraska to be good, to be honest with you. And then we can see, right? It's kind of wide open. Purdue, is, I think, doesn't get its due, no pun intended, but it's all about whether or not they can distribute the football and distribute it well. I'm excited to see what this dude does. Kurt Ferentz offered him as a freshman. He said yes on the spot. He did not take any visits anywhere else. He did not want to hear from anybody else. He's going straight to Des Moines to play, or Iowa City, excuse me, not Des Moines. Des Moines is where Drake is. Iowa City to play football at Iowa. Excited about that. All right. Let's go from our diamond in the rough and our snazzy animation to our final installment of where should Arch Manning go? Now, we've talked about Georgia, where he had an official visit. We talked about Alabama, where he had an official visit. Now we're going to talk about Texas, where he had an official visit, or has an official visit coming up. Now, caveat here, there are other teams and programs, I'm sure, that will get in the mix, notably like Florida, for instance, uh, went to Ole Miss, Tennessee, and LSU, but, you know, I'd be shocked if y'all don't try to make a run at him as the season continues to go on. But being that he has scheduled three of his five official visits already, and he's going to take them, these are the three that we expect him to be picking from. And I've given more or less why I don't think he should be going to Georgia or Alabama, right? But I'm going to flip that. Because I really do think that of these three, Texas is the best option. Now, as Oklahoma fans are going to have my head for this, this is also me having a college football brain and going, I don't know, man, this makes the most sense. Now, before I get into Texas, one more thing about this. I thought from the jump the place for him to end up is Clemson because that just fits. 
with his psyche, with Dabo Sweeney's psyche, with what they asked their quarterback to do, with what you can do as a quarterback there, how they have turned that program in the kind of place where you can have outstanding quarterback play every single year, and the quarterback is a feature, and you don't have to deal with anything outside of what's going on in Death Valley. Felt like a good place to go, but it's not on the radar right now, so we're going to what I think is the best option next, which is Texas. All right, so it's clear he's wanted at Alabama. It's clear he's wanted at Georgia. But that don't make them any different than the other 128 schools in FBS, quite honestly. To say nothing of the teams in FCS and Division Three In AI, everybody wants Arch Manning, okay? So that doesn't really factor for me. What does is, what can you do there? What are you capable of? What is the ceiling going to be? At Georgia, I don't think they're going to let him throw the ball. I want to see Arch Manning go for 5,000. I want to see Arch Manning have to move around the pocket. I want to see Arch Manning throwing out to these F-18s as they're making an inverted dive into an unnamed military facility with an uranium enrichment site that they got a hit from miles away, painted with a laser, and then I want to see dogfighting, okay? I want to see Arch Manning on tilt. I want to see Arch Manning get into an F-18 without a green light and make that flight two minutes and 15 seconds. You ain't going to be able to do that at Georgia. At Georgia, they're going to drop bombs from a high ground and call themselves good. That's fine. Whatever. Alabama, you got a little bit better opportunity there. We know that the returning Heisman winner, Bryce Young, is there. Matt Jones is there. Tua Tonga-Valo is there, right? Jalen Hurts is there. Blake Sims is there. Keep going on this. However, I think Nick Saban's tipping his hand by accepting an Eli Holstein's commitment in May. Four-star quarterback in the 2023 class for which Arch is the number one recruit. Means you're not going to put all your eggs into the Arch Manning basket. And if I'm Arch Manning, yes, put all your eggs in this basket because I want to be the guy. There is no competition that I want to see out of this. I want to show up and it be my football. Okay. At Georgia, you got Herschel Walker. At Alabama, you got a myriad of dudes, right? I mean, I can name four running backs off the top of my head. And I can play in three quarterbacks like I just did off the top of my head, four, five, six. At Texas, it's really Vince Young. That's your legend, right? I know that there are Texas fans that are listening to this or watching this saying, RJ, it's Colt McCoy. It's Cedric Benson. It's Ricky Williams. Hell, they'll throw Earl Campbell at me, even though most of them wasn't even alive when Earl Campbell was playing football. But you know what? Fine, okay? You can have that along with having the last, well, I'm not even going to take it there because I don't need to take it there. Suffice it to say, you, as Arch Manning, would be able to become the legend on the 40 acres, right? What Vince Young did against USC 2005, we think won't be overcome just because of how good that USC team was and how Vince said, hey, we run in Texas spread, everybody get on my back, inspired a Friday Night Lights TV show character named Vince Howard, right, where they ran Texas spread. I think that Arch could do that at Texas given the opportunity because they damn sure wanted Colt McCoy to be that guy. And then Colt McCoy got his head handed to him out there in 2009 as Gary Gilbert got in there and got his head tended to him by the same Nick Saban. You would love nothing more than to have Arch Manning on the 40 acres, not just wearing a visitor's pass and a polo as he is here, but in uniform at the Cotton Bowl coming after my team, Oklahoma. You would love to see him lead Texas into its new era of the SEC, into an SEC title game, where I hope there are no divisions, so you could end up with Texas versus Alabama, Texas versus Georgia, 
and perhaps into a national championship, first win since 2005. Now, other part about this that I find miraculously interesting and I think doesn't get enough credit, Texas gets everybody Texas wants to get. With few exceptions, even in this last decade where Texas has been god-awful at times, where Texas has failed to produce a draft pick at times, we're talking about Texas still being in the running for being a top-10 program, even a top-5 program, even having a chance to win a national championship this year because that's just how powerful the Longhorn recruitment reach is in the state of Texas and, the well, states around the country. I mean, Bijan Robinson's from Arizona. I keep telling people, if y'all put a fence around Arizona and you tell Arizona State and Arizona to, to erect that wall because you want them on that wall, you need them on that wall, you would have one of the best football teams in all the country. I mean, off the rip, right? Mark Andrews won a Mackey Award. He from Arizona. Spencer Rattler's from Arizona. B. John Robinson from Arizona. Jake Smith's from Arizona. I can keep throwing out dudes from Arizona, okay? That's how far Texas can extend its reach. It can go to the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. It can get who it wants to get. And if it also erected a wall around the state of Texas because you want them on that wall, you need them on that wall, maybe Garrett Wilson doesn't look Texas dead in the eye and say, nah, y'all not going to develop me. I'm going to go to Ohio State where I was developed into a first-round draft pick, and I wasn't even the most talented wide receiver on the roster. That's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay? Texas can do that. Instead, they're losing dudes like Evan, Evan Stewart to Texas A&M. Right? Could have gone down there to Yates. Go get who you want to get. You can go over there to Reagan. Go get you a Trevor Knight if that's what you really want. Right? You know what I'm saying that ain't what you really want, but you can go get it. That's what I'm saying. Sex Benson. Midland Lee. Hello? Do I need to give y'all the Midland Lee speech again? Hmm? Do I need to give y'all the Odessa Permian speech again? Do I need to tell y'all that Texas is so big that not only can they field a competitive roster for the, for the Longhorns, Baylor, A&M, Houston, Texas Christian, Southern Methodist, North Texas, I keep going here. And yet the flagship, the one school the university is built around is the University of Texas. Now put Arch Manning there where you have other players saying, I'm waiting to see what Arch Manning does before I take a look at Texas. I don't know why you are not throwing the kitchen sink at this. You need to be sending Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Cupper Manning, Archie Manning, all the Texas Longhorn merch you got. And even if that man does not want to name image and likeness deal, and he apparently does not, you still need to show him what the business plan could look like because he might change his mind. I'm saying, if you are Texas, make it so attractive that this man wants to go to get his master's and his law degree and run for office in the state of Texas. Make yourself open to him as he's in Louisiana. He's across the street. I, I, this, is, this is slam dunk for me. Now, again, I'm saying this. As an Okie, as a graduate of the University of Tulsa and the University of Oklahoma, I am not rooting... For Art to go to Texas, I'm telling you, it's the best place for him to go. Now, that said, Sam Ellinger went to Texas. Oklahoma dealt with it. Just going to put that out there. They got Quinn Ewers in there now. Maybe Quinn has a great year, has another great year, and boom, there you go. You got Arch Manning there. That's what I'm saying. The succession plan is easy. Now, Texas got to keep up their end, right? Texas has to go and win football games 
in 2022. Because nothing is going to torpedo your chances of winning the Arch Manning sweepstakes like putting together another 5-7 and seven season. This is why I'm catching so much shade, so much hell from everybody as I continue to say Texas should be good 2022. I expect them to be up there chasing the Big 12 championship, if not more. Okay? You go and you lose to Kansas and Austin. People are not going to let you forget that. Okay? You lose to Kansas a few years back in Kansas. People are not going to let you forget that. You had Oklahoma dead to rights in the Cotton Bowl. People are not going to let you forget that. You lose to Arkansas. People are not going to let you forget that. I'm trying to tell y'all, you're going to have to keep up your end. So hand the ball to the Brahma Bull in the back. That is B. John Robinson. Let Quinn Ewers cook. Let Isaiah Nayer go do that F-18 thing. Let Xavier Worthy go do that F-18 thing. Let Jaleel Billings. You see what I'm saying here? I'm throwing at you weapons. Weapons, all right? And those are dudes that they picked up off the street. Isaiah Nayer's from Wyoming. Jaleel Billingsley couldn't even start at Alabama toward the end. Ajay Hall, who the hell knows? But if he ends up over there, I'm saying, what else do I have to do to tell you, Texas, to help me help you? I Again, this is out of goodness of my heart. Because everything in me says I should just be dunking on this, but I'm not. One, integrity. Two, I really do want to see Arch Manning play football. And that's what it comes back to for me. I do this, this job right here, for two reasons. I love the stories of players and coaches, and I love watching people do something I physically could never. It is the reason why I raise up so many different sports, but particularly college football, because so much luck is involved in college football. I talk to great football players every damn day. Every single day, I talk to great football players. At times, I'm fortunate enough to get to identify a generational talent from his neighborhood, from his area, from his school district, who is getting the opportunity to go and make good. I am invested in each one of these kids' journeys and how they are able to get into life after the fact. I know what they're up against. I know what the numbers are. I tell you what they are. One 11,000 kids play college football every year, and this year it's going to be over 12,000 because of the portal. They're really trying to make it more difficult for you to get to the upper echelon of big-time football at every level. It takes money in addition to your luck. And Texas, who has the most luck and the most money of most people, I mean, every year Texas and Texas A&M bring in the most money of any major university in its football program. This is why we go so hard on Texas. This is why we expect Texas to be good every year. Because when it comes to advantages, you have them. Now we want to see you take those advantages and go win championships with them. Right? Many of y'all know, again, F1 counter, I'm a huge Lewis Hamilton fan. I'm a huge Lewis Hamilton fan because the man has been dynamic and amazing in a sport where he should not exist. It should be impossible for Lewis Hamilton to be an F1 driver, let alone win seven world championships. People will tell you Mercedes has given him the best car, except for this year, for the better part of 10 years, for the better part of a decade. For the entire V6 hybrid era, he had the best car. You know what he did with the best car? He won the championships, and the only time he didn't win one in a Mercedes vehicle was when he got beat by his own teammate at Mercedes who had the same equipment. Texas, you are Mercedes. Act 
like it. Now go get Arch Manning and put him in the damn car. All right. From this to new faces and new places. This is the final installment of a series for which we have been comparing new head coaches at universities and trying to figure out which one of those two is going to have the better season. We have done Brent Venables and Lincoln Riley. That would be Oklahoma USC. We have done Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly. That would be Notre Dame and LSU. We have done Mario Cristobal and Dan Lanning. That would be Miami and Oregon. And now we want to talk about Billy Napier at Florida and Tony Elliott at Georgia. Okay, so how will Billy Napier do at Florida in year one? Schedule first. So they got October 1, they got Eastern Washington. And I circled that game because that is a money-in-the-bag candidate. I've already put in the open records request to find out how much money Eastern Washington is going to make from playing against Florida. And then, if a team that finished in the top 10 of the FCS and won 10 games last year goes and gets a win in the Swamp, good luck, dog. That is not a good look if you are Billy Napier in Florida in year one. And as money in the back shall return, without a doubt, in 2022. Again, I'm excited, you know, because that's going to be toward the end of the money in the bag season, right? We don't get a whole lot of opportunities for money in the bag in November, in October. It's definitely not in December. So we're going to get our licks in in August and September. I'm telling you, y'all going to get enough of scheduling these dudes, paying them a lot of money, and then getting your butt kicked. All right. Then after that, you have the entire SEC East. <laughs> okay, good luck. But before all of that, you got Utah in the swamp. Utah ought to be really good. They return Cam Rising. They got two outstanding tight ends. They have Tavion Thomas coming back with 21 rushing touchdowns. And they expect, even losing Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell, that they will be good defensively. They're also going to run the ball, and they're going to play great defense, and they're going to play keep away from your dude, Anthony Richardson, who I'll get into here in a second. September 17th, you got Jeff Scott's USF. We'll see how that goes, right? I could I could see you at USF making that a game, right? South Florida can make that a game. But there's a reason why they feel good about what they're doing, and they also are going to get new facilities here soon. So I expect the Bulls to be on par with UCF, if not with Florida, in a very quick amount of time. And then your crosses this year are versus LSU. On October 15th, that be at Tiger Stadium, or excuse me, not at, at Ben Hill Stadium, excuse me. And then at Texas A&M, which at Kyle Field, November 5th. So, I don't feel great about that schedule. Fact, matter of fact, I don't feel great about any SEC schedule, quite honestly. But you dodge Ole Miss, that's, that's, that's good. You dodge Alabama, that's good. You ain't dodge Georgia, because, you know, that's your division. You ain't dodge Kentucky, because that's, that's, that's your division. It's looking kind of rough in these streets. Now, you have Anthony Richardson. It appears that Billy Napier wants to give him the keys to the offense if he can do it, but I'm not going to count out Jack Miller, who transferred in from Ohio State. I think Jack is an outstanding player. I think he has an opportunity to help them win football games, and because the nature of football is injuries, probably is going to be needed down the road. But as good as Anthony Richardson is, he needs Justin Shorter, and Demarcus Bowman and Lorenzo Lingard to be on their A game. You need Demarcus Bowman to play like the freak show that he is. Like that dude coming out of high school with something else. Ended up at Clemson, transferred to Florida, has lied low for the last couple of years. 
We'll see what that ends up like. Now, coming out of spring ball, a lot of people like Lingard. I still think Bowman's going to be the starter or the dude to get most uh, touches. Say nothing to Naquan Wright, who I know a lot of y'all are in up on, and but I'm just – I know what I got in Demarcus Bowman. I'm going to try to hand him the rock and make somebody else give it to them. Okay, Justin Shorter just had 41 catches, 505 yards. That ain't going to cut it. You're going to need to double that up in both cases as we're going to get closer to, to talking to Virginia here in a second. They have the kind of wide receiver output that you're going to need from Florida in 2022. Okay, Florida additions. Owasso's own Chris McClellan, defensive tackle. Don't know how much time he's going to see because that's that's a loaded room, but that's a good that's a good addition for you to have. That's great depth. <laughs> Running back Trevor Etienne, right? That'd be Travis's little brother. LSU really wanted him. Had some looks from Clemson. He could actually challenge Naquan or Lorenzo or even my man, DeMarcus, for some time. Montreal Johnson, another running back. He's transferring in from Louisiana, so you know that Billy Napier knows what he has there. They shocked me by signing safety Kamari Wilson. I didn't expect that to happen, so they ought to be pretty doggone good on defense. And then other guys for you to just keep an eye on, safety Rashad Torrance, Edge, Brennan Cox. We didn't expect Brenton to come back. Gervin Dexter at defensive tackle. Like, they have guys to be pretty doggone good defensively. It's about Ken. I think they call this dude AR-15, Anthony Richardson, which, okay, cool. They, they, fine. If that dude ends up being Cam Newton light, by all means, because I would have loved seeing Cam Newton run that 08 Gators football team. I know that puts a dent in your Tim, uh, Tim Tebow legacy, but, I don't think Tim Tebow would have ever seen the football field if Cam Newton would have been able to be the dude. And that's at least what Billy Napier is going to allow for is letting Anthony Richardson be the dude. I'm just throwing it out there. Schedule breakdown uh, that really, really gets to me about Anthony Richardson. I just don't know how this dude is going to look against Georgia. I don't know how he's going to look against Kentucky. I think you're going to have to throw the football on them. I think they're going to play man. I think they're going to blitz you. I think they're not going to let him run around. That might be where you see Jack Miller come through. Okay. I don't think that Florida is going to be in a great position to have an outstanding year in 2022. But we'll save that for the end. Now I want to move to Tony Elliott in Virginia. So the schedule breakdown for them, Louisville expects to be decent, if not good. They return Malik Cunningham. Okay. Yeah, that's an October 8th game, so you'll know who you are by then. They got Miami on October 29th. It's my grandmommy's birthday. That's Mario Cristobal. That's your toughest game on the schedule. So it's, it's light there. You got North Carolina on November 5th. You have Pitt on November 12th. And you got Coastal Carolina on November 19th. So while you get to dodge Clemson and a North Carolina state that wants everybody to know that they return everybody and they expect to be really good remains to be seen. You're in a good spot to represent the division in the conference championship game. Like, North Carolina still doesn't know who the starting quarterback is. Is it going to be Jake, uh, Drake May? Is it going to be Jacoby Criswell? Who could know, right? Drake has all of the physical tools that you want. Jacoby has been in the system for a year longer. Phil Longo has been pretty good about identifying who his starter should be. Miami got the Tyler Van Dyke thing going on. We'll see how much of that actually translates. I mentioned Malik Cunningham. Coastal Carolina is the one in which I'm going, that's squirrely. Because that could be the difference between you being bowl eligible and you not. And 
this is a Jamie Chadwell friendly show here. So I'm going to need Tony to show me what's really good here. Also, just because it's me, that's another black head coach with a Power 5 job. I'm excited about that as much as anything, quite honestly. Like, between him and Marcus Freeman, I'm having a good time, okay? I'm having a very, very good time. Matter of fact, I don't know that I had this good a time since Sylvester Croom and Ty Willingham. That was a damn good time. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. Sly Croom. To the heart, Mississippi State. All right, stars for you to know at Virginia. First is the quarterback, right, Brennan Armstrong. So I'll make sure I get this right because I had this take, like, drawn out like six weeks ago. He accounted for 4,700 total yards, 40 TDs in 2021. The only quarterback to accomplish that feat in the college football playoff era is him and Bryce Young. That's it, okay? You know what you got there. Assuming Bryce is the first is a first-round pick, right, in 2023. I mean, two-thirds of all the quarterbacks who have actually accomplished this have been first-round picks, save Anthony Gordon. So there are only two active dudes in college football today who have accomplished 47 and 40, 4,740, and those two are Virginia and Alabama, and everybody else who has done this, save Anthony Gordon, has been a first-round draft pick at quarterback. Not too shabby. Dudes that have accomplished this, been first-round quarterback. You might know them by name. Uh, One of them is Lamar Jackson. There are only two unanimous MVPs ever in the history of the National Football League. One of them is Tom Brady. The other is Lamar Jackson. I'm telling y'all, stop playing with this man. Stop stop playing with Lamar Jackson. To all of y'all that were telling me years ago he's a running back playing quarterback, eat it. Now, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you know what's good there. And then there's another dude from Clemson who's not named uh, Trevor Lawrence. He did it too. So, read another way. That's the highest guaranteed contract in history, the other dude from Clemson. MVP and MVP. That's what Brendan Armstrong is capable of if Tony Elliott can figure it out for him in that passing attack and in that offensive line, which we get to, which passing attack ought to be all right. Dontavian Wicks returns. He had 1,203 receiving yards with nine TDs in 2021, right? Caden Thompson, who I list as a tight end, but is really athlete. He's going to be wide receiver, slot, outside, running back, all of that. Had 973 yards receiving two TDs. And then defensively, you got Nick Jackson coming back. He had 117 tackles, two and a half sacks. Now, the rub for Virginia is not the schedule, which is kind of soft, kind of soft, kind of soft. It's certainly not their skill players. It is the offensive line, okay? They return absolutely nobody, nada, from the 2021 offensive line that was able to keep Brennan Armstrong clean enough to make all those throws. They got to create a new offensive line out of whole cloth, okay? Thought they could do this with several transfers. At least one of those transfers is no longer be playing at Virginia for personal reasons, okay? Now, between Florida and Virginia, who could have the better year? I'm looking at Florida expecting 6-6 six to six to 7-5. and five. Virtue of playing the SEC, virtue of you being in year one, virtue of everybody getting acclimated to the way that you do things down there in Gainesville. It's just not, it's just not an easy place to play. Not an easy place to win. That's why when they're good, they usually play for conference championships or win national championships, right? I also need to add... The last time that Florida won a national championship was the last time they won a conference championship. Okay? That'd be 08. Now, Virginia figure out the offensive line. 
If the offensive line is close to as good as the 2021 edition, y'all ought to be able to win between 8 and 10 games, like on general principle here. That's assuming that Miami's good. That's also assuming that Louisville is good. And that's assuming that Coastal Carolina is a team you can beat. Okay, Everybody else you ought to be in good shape for in Tony Elliott's year one. But year to year, we've seen that quarterback play does not usually make leaps and bounds improvements if you've had a stellar year. If anything, it takes a step back. We saw this with Sam Howell at North Carolina. We saw this with Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. I would even say we saw it with Bo Nix at Auburn who's transferred to Oregon, but, you know, we'll see. I think I would love to see Brendan Armstrong go for 47 and 40 again, but it's just a tall task, man. You're, you're going to have to be really good at running the football. You're going to have to be really good at distributing the football, and you're going to have to be really good defensively, for which remains to be seen. Okay. So, yes, San Antonio Elliott probably going to have a better year at Virginia than Billy Napier is at Florida because, again, some of this is luck, some of this is chance. If North Carolina was a top-10 team, maybe we think something different. If Georgia was the Georgia of 2013, maybe we think something different. But no, you got the defending champs in your division. Yikes. You got a South Carolina that is absolutely on the up-and-up in your division. Yikes. You got Eli Drinkwitz at Mizzou, who absolutely needs to win. You got Kentucky. Who is Kentucky, right? Nobody expects anything from Kentucky, and then they show up and they take a bite out of you. Saying. Could be interesting. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. I want to thank our lead producer, that is Catherine Donnelly. Our social producer is Tyler Wojak. Our director is John Marcus. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. And our lead of screening is Rich Cohn. I'm the host, RJ Young. We will see y'all next week. Doses.